women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. My name is Esme Lawrence, the host of this podcast, Sprinting to Success. My guest today mentors people committed to developing their spirituality to live a more joyful, fulfilled life in alignment with their purpose and empower them to stay connected with their inner self. She uses her perception and 40 years of professional experience and multiple skills to have understanding and be poised for personal success. Welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast, (laughs) Nina Ashby. Hello, Esme, and hello, everybody out there. I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, we're so excited to have you on the show. Well, okay, so tell me about your childhood. Ooh, okay, well, my childhood um, was such that I had loving, caring parents, but they didn't understand me at all because I was born with the gift of being able to see people's energy fields. And I found out at a very early age that it wasn't acceptable to talk about that or talk about my experience and nobody could give me any insight into what was going on. So I had this world of spirit, this world of energy around me, and I felt very different and isolated. Um, And so it wasn't really until I got into my late teens that I kind of started to find some answers and started to find a way forward and that there were some people and some books and some things that could explain some of the phenomenon that I was experiencing. Fortunately, it wasn't scary, but it was just like, why aren't people seeing the things that I see? And is there something wrong with me? Am I weird? Um, But then I knew I could feel in myself that what I was sensing and perceiving was true and it was authentic and it wasn't bad or wrong. So I could learn how to discern and I wasn't having frightening experiences, but it was still a puzzlement. So um, it took 15 years of studying this and that and the other thing because in the 1960s and 1970s, there were no psychic classes. There were no, there was nobody explaining psychic phenomena. So I studied psychology. I studied different kinds of meditation. I did a lot of spiritual practice. Um, I did yoga and breathing exercises. I studied um, esoteric subjects uh, and including esoteric color, but I didn't find a way to put it all together until I was almost 30 years old and met somebody who gave me an opportunity and recognized that I knew things, but had to find a mechanism to put that information together for myself 
And how do you do that? You do it through teaching other people because you have to explain things that are not obvious. So I devised a course at that point and um, that became the foundation of all the work that I had done for the past 40 years and I've built upon that and built my skills. So uh, in addition to being a, perceptual, uh, a, a psychic, and, and I know how to deal with many different levels of energy, I can also explain why things are happening, how they're happening, how people can deal with their perception. I've worked with children, I've worked with adults. Um, I also am a healthcare, health worker, so I've studied many different kinds of body work techniques and know about that body-mind connection very strongly. And this really goes a long way to understanding how what we call what scientists call mindfulness now i've been doing for you know over 40 years right. because it's similar techniques it's about what we call in in neurolinguistic programming reframing your mindset it's understanding how to get your mind your emotions and your body back in alignment again so that you can be the best that you can be at any time so you can bring yourself back from those moments of stress or from what you call the the valley moment right right <laughs> um and and work with yourself to empower yourself so nina i want to go back to the the times that in the valley um you yeah. know because i want our audience to really see that um, nobody mm. is perfect and so much so go back to when you weren't feeling well um about um yourself you know, you didn't know what was going on. So tell me mm. more, go into more details about that. So that, and then okay. we can bring the, bring um, people, bring you people up to um, where you are now. Sure. Well, when you, you, when you don't feel understood, you feel very insecure. And this leads to lack of self-esteem, lack of self-worth, lack of a sense of knowing who you are. You have to try on, I tried on lots of different kinds of ways of being or acting but it was not, and, and it was exploring parts of me, but it was still was not con connected to me. So it makes, made me feel slightly disassociated, lonely, frightened, insecure, maybe lacking in judgment sometimes about the choices that I ma made, because when you're not connected to your center and yourself, you can make difficult choices, right. well, choices that bring difficulty and self-sabotage. Right. So what are some of those choices that you made that, that you sabotage yourself? Well, I think for me, sometimes it was overeating and um, also taking risks that other people would think that weren't sensible, like living in New York City and walking out at night quite a lot, you know, alone. I mean, not in dark corners, but things that people saw as being risky, I, did, um, I didn't feel particularly um, insecure, but maybe I ought to have. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Walking around in New York, um, in New York by yourself. In the, in the 1970s, you know, it's like, you know, but I lived there. And so um, I think that um, I am a bit of a rebel and sometimes, you know, pushing against authority was something that 
um, came very easily to me. It can seem sometimes to people that that is confidence, but it's not necessarily comes from confidence. People can be overly, seem overly confident to hide insecurity. And I think that that's a lot of times how I handle things. Maybe being a little bit too pushy or aggressive or assertive and not listening to other people. Right. And I think that that can happen when you're insecure. You want to intervene. You want to you know, make yourself known. But it doesn't really always make for good relationships. Right. Right. And so now how did you overcome those, some of those challenges where self-doubt, fear, um, how did you overcome those challenges? I had to use all of the things that I learned one piece by piece to, and have the self-discipline from time to time to find out, to have experiences that, well, if, if I use the technique where, for example, if I felt unsure about myself to take a deep breath, center my body, put my mind into my higher self and my heart and my body and out of my overthinking brain, which wasn't <laughs> doing me any good because it was just shouting crazy stuff at me. Then um, what happened is everything slowed down and I was able to answer some key questions like what's really going on here or is this good for me and what i learned over time is that my true self when i connect to my true self that it's quiet and it doesn't explain things all right. it does is gives you like a short word or a phrase or yes no do it don't <laughs> and then and then the other part of my mind is like what do you mean? Explain it. Why? How do I know that it's really true? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I think that that's something we all have, this internal dialogue. I work with a lot with people with anxiety, and I know that in myself, so I can see it in other people. And I know how I you know, still, from time to time, struggle with that. Right. And, and all I need to do is click, you know, click the switch and go back to what I know works to calm that anxiety, to get back in touch with the real me. And I call it the short, hard road rather than the long, hard right. road. So how, how does um, anxiety show up in you and, and others? Well, anxiety shows up as um, twitchiness. It shows up as not listening. It shows up in repeating a tape loop story. Esme, you must have had people on the phone or people call you and they, they tell you one round and all of a sudden there's this phrase and then you know they're gonna get start, get stuck in again to the same old story, slightly differently put, but there's a certain quality to how they deliver that, that is anxious, quick, lacking punctuation, lacking some kind of quietness or space right. in between the phrases that's anxiety right and i see that so much here in england sometimes people speak so quickly it's like it's like one complete run-on sentence and i think <laughs> when are they going to breathe <laughs> and you cannot i cannot 
understand the content of what they're saying. It's almost that the emotion has overtaken the true content of what they're saying. Right. So there's many ways to see anxiety in body language, in pe how people uh, respond vocally, in the tone of their vocalization, and whether they actually look you in the eye. Because right. when people are anxious, their eyes are darting all over, but they won't look at you because uh, they're not making a connection. Right. Yeah, there's no connection there. Um, so, yeah. so let's get back to New York. How did you end up in New York? Well, I was born in New York. Oh, tell us that story. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm in the, I'm, <laughs> well, I was born in New York. It's more like, how did I end up in London? <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, so how did you end up from New York to London? Well, um, I was running a yoga center in Montreal in Canada, and um, I had to lead meditation twice a day. And I sat there every day, twice a day, for two weeks, at a, starting at a certain point. And I got this message, as one does in meditations, from my higher voice. The same message every day, twice a day, for two weeks, with no explanation. And it said... How old were you then? I was 30. Okay. Go to London. That's what it said. Go to London. And so what did I do? What everybody does. They argue. <laughs> what do you mean go to London? I can't afford to go to London. I don't know anybody in London. Why should I go to London? And every question I asked, things that were quote unquote sensible, were not being answered. So after two weeks of, I couldn't make it up. You know, every time I sat down, I keep getting this repetitive message. It had nothing to do with my desires or vision for myself. So I said, okay, if God wants me to go to London, then God's got to make it happen. Right. So I let it go. I allowed it. I said, if I was going to go to London, these are the dates I would go. So I chose those dates. And I sent some letters off to various people for work in London and in Paris, because I speak French fluently. Oh, wow. I, That's nice, too. It, well, it is nice. <laughs> it is great. And um, <clears throat> I posted off those letters. And the next day, a series of miraculous things occurred. I got a telephone call. Hello, you don't know me. I hear you're an amazing psychic. I need somebody. I'm going away for May and June, and I want somebody to take over my practice for those months. Would you be willing to do it? Uh, mm, oh, uh, okay, well, let me get back to you. I never met that person, by the way, wow. and, and, I, and I never met her to this day, but she was the, my first facilitator that way. Right. So I hung the call up because I was running the yoga center. I couldn't see clients. I couldn't make money. It was not part of my remit at the time. So I was a little bit kind of perplexed at this. And then the next day, my best friend who'd been on holiday for two weeks called me up and said, before we get into discussing things, I got to tell you that my roommate is going away for May and June and I need to sublet her room. Can I put up a, a notice in the yoga center? I said, well, you can, but let me tell you my situation. So 
I told her and she said, oh, well, it's really inexpensive and you can have the room and you can use my car. And by the way, I know a place you can work from. And wow. ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. so all the money was there, all the place for leaving, uh, you know, everything just kind of pushed, plopped into place. <clears throat> and I made everything I needed to in order to go to um, London. <coughs> and I got my teaching things set up in London and in Paris and then somebody else who I knew in the south of France got me to teach there so oh. everything was like set up for me right anyway fast forward I arrive in London on July 3rd and I looked up all the things in the phone book because in those days they had big phone books like this, yellow pages. I don't know. Nobody knows what they are anymore. <laughs> That's except right. He's like me. <laughs> I couldn't find anything in the yellow pages about psychic stuff or spiritual stuff. So I went back to the yoga center and the Swami came up to me and said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, well, nothing much particular. Why? She said, well, come to this festival and, you know, help us advertise the yoga center. So I said, okay. She said, just show up. We'll give you a free pass in. I will show up. It's at this big place called Olympia, which is, I don't know, sort of an exhibition center. And there they all were, the psychics, the healers, the readers, the yoga people, the spiritual group. And I got goosebumps all over my body. I thought, oh, this right. is funny. So I went and did my stint and then I walked around and I found a group called the British Astrological and Psychic Society at a big table and all the readers were behind in separate desks giving readings and there was a table with three gentlemen standing and taking bookings. So I introduced myself and the man said, well, I can't help you, but maybe that man can. So wow. that man sat me down. We had a cup of tea, as one does. And um, he said, <laughs> well, I can't talk any longer, but why don't we meet up? I'm free in two days' time. And he gave me his address and telephone number, et cetera. And I said, okay. Anyway, that man was, became my husband. Oh, wow. I knew him, is... I knew him for two weeks. <laughs> and in the same trip, I met a business partner in the south of France who had me teach in France every six weeks I would go to a different part of France and teach energy right. healing so in French and I taught in English here and I went to Spain and I taught so I've had a uh, that's how I got to England I'm I got married wow. to an Englishman but the universe said okay pick me up by the scruff of the neck drop me in England that's where you're supposed to be now right and that's where I, why I'm here so life always makes things happen for you. It does. You know, sometimes when you have disappointments and you think, oh, it shouldn't, you know, why did that happen? But it happens for you. Um, life happens because, um, you know, it's going to set you on the right path. Yeah. You know, even, and so, so go back to, to your husband when you met him, right? So was it like, um, you know, chemistry was flying <laughs> when, you, when you met him? Like, um, so tell me the story between when you met him and how long was after you, that you got married? Well, I met him on July 4th and I married him on December 4th. Oh, the same year. Same year. And we, this is a risk story. Okay, so, so I met him and we spent the day together 
and he's at the some point during the, and we were getting along like a house on fire. It didn't feel exactly like love at first sight, but there was this definite sense of connection, attraction, interest, and a lot of sharing about mutual um, interests and past life memories and things like that. So it's quite intense. And he said to me, well, what are you doing the rest of your vacation? And I said, well, I plan to go out to the West Country and see some of the great monuments like Stonehenge, etc. And he said, well, I have a car. I need a holiday. Would you like to go together? I know all of that really well. It could be really interesting. And so I looked at him because I'd only known him like a few hours, really. And I right. and closed my eyes. This is one of those times when I, to really, am I safe? Is this okay? And everything in me just went click. And it said, yes. So I looked up, I said, yes. And we had an amazing magical mystery tour. I mean, it was really magical. And we came back and I had to teach a class and then go to France. And I said, okay, well, I didn't plan on coming back to England, but um, except to fly back, but I'll come back early and we'll spend another week together and see how we get on. And at the end of that week, he asked me to marry him. And um, I wow. said yes, and I flew back to the States, I dissolved my apartment in New York, my, flat, my place in, all my things in Montreal, and my business stuff there, and moved to um, England in October, and got married in December. Oh, that was That so was sweet. 36 years ago. And he's well, congratulations. Well, <laughs> So he's been deceased for four years now, but uh, oh. this is still my home and I love right. England and I feel this is where I'm supposed to be until right. God decides where my next place is. And yeah. I think that that's really, when I was 14, part of the things that I did was I said, okay, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be, how I'm supposed to do it, but I know I'm here to serve. So just right. put me where you need me. And right. my whole life, that's what's, what's happened. And right. so your, what you said about, you know, you get moved around is true. We get moved around to where we need to be. Right. And one thing I have to remind myself when I'm in a, a state of limbo about something is, well, it will come up. It always has in the past. It always will because we're on the perfect path. Right, definitely. So what are some of your struggles that you have now? Well, at the moment, um, I'm trying to sell my house. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where, my, where I need to be living next um, and how to downsize my life in a way that, you know, letting go of 36 years of, well, 32 years of marriage, 36, you know, 21 years of being in the same property, living in big houses, having to downsize to small places. All of this is challenging. Letting go. Yes. Letting go of things. You know, you think the things hold the memory, but then you, and they do, they hold your energy. But when you start to get rid of them, you start to think, well, they're just things. Does it really matter? Right. And so right. this is also about a great lesson for me in letting go of things generally and reminds me how to help others remind others that letting go is so 
important because it makes space for new things to flow in. Right. So how are you going to let go now? Oh, I'm letting go. Letting go. <laughs> are you, you're looking at my office, but this is, this is a downsized <laughs> version of my office. For example, okay. recently I sold a thousand books and I gave away 20 boxes of books. Wow. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of yes. books. And yes. anybody who's into studying will know that getting rid of your books is a really hard thing to do. It is. Do, do you do you suffer uh, from that? Too? I, I have lots of books that I, you know, and, well, initially you try and sell it, but then, but then you realize it's just easier just to give it away. It <laughs> is easier to give it away, but I had a lot of specialist books so I could sell those yeah, books, but right. you know, but I also had 20 boxes of fantasy fiction, sci-fi, um, right. um, novels, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that I couldn't sell because they're not, worth anything when you resell them or as my what my grandfather taught me which was when you buy it it's either new or antique and when you sell it it's used or secondhand and they don't right. nobody wants to pay for it you know definitely so i've given away a lot a lot of stuff and that's fine um and there's still more and right what i've learned is it's not easy to give it away in one fell swoop. So it's like peeling layers off the onion, which is about what our growth is about. And each time That's I right. give away a tranche of things, then I'm bringing up memories and keeping them inside of me, but letting go of the physical side of things and making space in my life. And right. it's been very frustrating moving, but it will happen when the time is right. So... I just have to keep reminding myself every time I wake up in the middle of the night panicking about it. And then, cause my, my other brain is working away, trying to process it. So I soothe myself and I say, you know, it's going to be okay. I can't control that. So I've got to stop trying to control it. And all of these are constant daily reminder on a, in a painful way of how I can bring myself from that painful place right, back into a place of feeling better about myself, a place of greater appreciation of what I have right. and the resources that are within me. Cause that's what self-development and self-growth is all about. That's all I've ever been interested in in my whole life. Right. So Nina, now how do you decrease stress in your life? I dance. I sing, I cook, I go walking. Nice. I take a moment to sit down and look at nature. I breathe, I do conscious breathing, and I sit and I remember my blessings. I right. appreciate, I appreciate the people around me, appreciate my body, my health, what I have. I stop thinking about what I don't have and start thinking about what I do have. Right. Gratitude is so important, Key, you know, um, so in, instead of looking at what you don't have, look at what you have and appreciate that because when you appreciate what you have, you, um, you open the door for more um, love, more joy, instead of um, looking at the negative thing, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't have this, I don't have that, because that's what you will attract. Exactly. I always say to my clients, you know, what you look for is what you get. If you're looking right. for bad stuff to happen, guess what? You're going to find it. 
<laughs> That's right. Exactly. I, I always expect the best yeah. in my life. So Nina, so go back to younger Nina who felt afraid. What words of wisdom would you give yourself so she can believe in herself? Nina, you've got resources. You've got inner resources. You've got a spiritual self that's protected. You've got people who love you. And you've also got resilience, strength, courage, spirit, and fire in you. So just go and do it. Forget your fear. Know what courage right. is. Feel the fear and do it anyway. If, right. if, if it feels right for you. Perfect. So Nina, what would you like to share with our audience? Well, I would like to share, you've heard some of my story. So you know right. that my suffering is the same as your suffering and that, you know, we're all human and we all are helping each other to grow. So if any of you feel that you resonate with my story, that you feel hypersensitive and you don't know and want to know more about how to manage your energy, no matter what you do in life. So you can be more creative, so you can be more joyful, so you can take yourself from the low to a more centered and high place. Please contact me because I work in many different ways with people, either on a one-off basis, or if you feel that you want to dig deeper, I have something that I call my Align Program, which is a three-month intensive self-development program where we work on digging deep and understanding your patterns and empower you to learn skills so you can empower yourself and to deal with your sensitivity. You know, a lot of people don't like the word psychic because they get scared of it, but there's lots of other words. You can call it your sensitivity, your intuition, your knowingness, and to find the language that resonates with you and with the group of people who you work with appropriately because everybody's got it, some people more than others, but like any talent and gift, you have to learn about it right. so that you have knowledge and then apply that knowledge. And then you can be more and more a better version of you, more authentically you, so you can feel happier in your life generally. And that's all we want. We want happiness. We want joy. We want connection. So right. be connected without fear. Nina, thank you so much for joining us today on Sprinting to the Success podcast. And thank you, Esme, for inviting me for Sprinting to Success. Oh, you're welcome. Because I know that everybody out there will sprint to success. That's right. If they take the time and energy to look at this, that means they're already on the way. They may not be sprinting, they might be walking, but that's okay. That's a start. That's still on the path. <laughs> All right, yeah. that's a start. <laughs> so you can learn more about them, Nina, on EsmeLawrence.com. I'm Nina Ashby, and I'm sprinting to success with Esme Lawrence. Oh, thank you so much, Nina. <laughs> <laughs>
always seek advice from your healthcare provider.